Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Today is Friday, December the 3rd, and we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true word of God and put on our Christ goggles as we study and pray Psalm 135. We just finished studying Song of Songs, which was really a lot of fun. Not a book you typically study, but something that really brought out the richness of the relationship of a husband and wife and also the relationship of Christ and his church. Christ's love for the church so much that he will see her as blameless by his blood. What a great opportunity that was to be in that, this Advent season where we give thanks to our Lord for all that he has done. And today we take a step back and look at the psalm. Psalm 135, which is a psalm of thanks. And what better thing to do this Advent season than to give thanks? And also, a little bit of a precursor is that on Monday, we begin a long, blessed trek through Matthew. We begin on Monday with Dr. Jeffrey Gibbs, who wrote the commentaries, actually three of them, I believe, on on the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to be doing that for a long time. So settle in. If you want to buy his commentary, this is a perfect time to do it as we look to Matthew this Advent season. But today, we take a step back and pray to give thanks to our Lord and to look once again at Christ. So let's start praying. The gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information. lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we have with us the Reverend Dr. Jason Wagner of Hope Lutheran Church in High Ridge, Missouri. Pastor Wagner, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Pastor Wagner, this is our first time together on Thy Strong Word, even though you are pretty close to KFU Studios. What are you, about 20 minutes, or how far away are you from uh, the International Center? Well, I suppose it depends on uh, the speed at which one drives, but yeah, maybe 15, 20 minutes, right in there somewhere. Well, there you yeah. go. There you go. I mean, obviously... I'm not close to the International Center, and I'm on every day, so it's not a matter of closeness. Um, but just, I, I was trying to think of where exactly where you were. So you're west of the International Center in Kirkwood, Missouri. But, but Pastor, can you begin our time by introducing yourself, your family, and the work of the Saints at Hope? Absolutely. So, as you already said, I'm Pastor Jason Wagner, and I have been... Uh, the pastor here at Hope, I guess, for almost 11 years. Mm. Uh, I am blessed uh, to uh, be married to my wife, Julie, now for 21 years. We have two uh, fantastic daughters, uh, Abigail and Hannah. And in the years that we've had the opportunity to be here at Hope, uh, it has uh, truly been a blessing to our family uh, and hopefully to the saints here as well. Around here at the church, you know, we're in the midst of Advent activities like so many congregations. We're uh, diving into midweek services this week, and this coming weekend we'll be uh, decorating the church. Uh, We have the preparations for the children's Christmas program, and to that we invite uh, our preschool, which we have a preschool of Mm. a pretty decent size, and we invite our preschool kids and their families to participate in that program and so we always get about 10 to 15 extra kids and families to kind of connect uh, in that way. So that's an exciting time, too. And like I'm sure most 
congregations, we still have uh, folks who are in various places and comfortability in terms of their participation uh, with the ongoing issues related to COVID. And one thing I'm very thankful for in our congregation, thanks to uh, fantastically patient people and wonderful leadership here, um, uh, things have, we've made adjustments, we've undone adjustments, gone back and forth. People have been uh, so very fantastic about that. And so, you know, our approach has been to be patient, encourage people to come and hear and worship among God's people, but we've also found ways to share the gospel with everyone. It's one of the blessings uh, of KFUO because I've heard a number of times from our people, um, certainly all the time, because we live in this area and they're able to listen uh, on the radio on a regular basis, um, but especially over the last year and a half, man, it's been such a blessing uh, that our folks can listen on a regular basis uh, to things like Thy Strong Word, listen to worship services, all the different programs. We've tried to find other ways too. We've been, we've done the online services, but one of the the blessed accidents, I guess, at least from our perspective, was way back when all this started. We started writing daily devotions. Myself and at that time some of our seminary students who are assigned out here to Hope for their their field work while they're at the seminary, and a few pastors here in the congregation. And we would write daily devotions, and we were going to do it, you know, just like everybody else, just two weeks. And it's been a long couple of weeks, but uh, uh, the plan is that we'll continue to do that uh, well into the future. And so it really has been a blessed outcome to have a different way where we just send out short emails on various scripture passages every day, well, six days a week. But uh, that gives you an idea of some of the things that have been going on in my family and so well, thank you for, for that. Reminder to our listeners, every every day we're on this together, it's a call to prayer. So pray for Pastor Wagner. And as he mentioned, he has they have a preschool at Hope Lutheran Church. And my first parish had a preschool. And although it's chaos many times, although it is every year you have a lot going on, trying to figure out how to make sure everything's in order, what a blessed um, what a blessed chaos, I think I would call it. Because every day you have all these kids running around and the teachers who give their time and the parents who are going through their emotions and all of it is just drenched in the gospel and the word of God. I mean, what a joy. So we pray for the preschool at Hope Lutheran Church and especially as you prepare for the Advent season. Um, and yeah, that, that is that is such a blessing to be able to do a lot of things online and to write those daily devotions. I think we should do is just send those daily devotions to me every day and then I'll just say, hey, you got the word of God from Pastor Wagner. That's what I'm thinking right now. This will work for me as well. What do you think? All right, we can put you on the list. That's not a problem. <laughs> that sounds good. Well, Pastor, as we are here to study and pray Psalm 135, can you begin our time in prayer? Absolutely. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you are worthy of all praise and honor for who you are as the creator and giver of all things and all the more for what you have done for us to redeem us as your people through our Savior, Jesus Christ. As we study this word that you have given to us today, build us up in the hope that is ours in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions as we look at Psalm 135, or any psalm really, drop us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Now, Pastor, as we are here to study and pray Psalm 135, there's a, a number of uh, 
there's a number of realities every time we look at a psalm that we should always have maybe a rehashing of what is up with the psalms. What are they? Why do we study them? How would you describe that uh, based on when we begin this psalm or any psalm to remember about the psalms? I, I think the first thing to think about is the way that the, the book has often been referred to is that it's the prayer book of the Bible. And so as we come to the book of Psalms, we have an opportunity to pray along with God's people all through the ages. And as God's people who know the fullness of our redemption in Christ, uh, I think you said even in the introduction, you talked about uh, how we look at the words of the Psalms through goggles that see what Christ has accomplished for us. So even while we'll talk about uh, obviously, some Old Testament incident, uh, incidents of redemption uh, that we're going to hear about in Psalm 135 in particular. Uh, we hear all of these with an eye towards the greater redemption that is ours in Christ. And so the book of Psalms is one in which we study, and that study leads us into prayer. And so it's this going back and forth between receiving and thinking about and meditating on God's Word that leads us into prayer and does so even right through the words that were given in the psalm. And it's interesting, you do you have spoken about how psalms not only, because when you read the psalm, you can almost feel what David's saying. You can almost, like today, I think you can just feel that the author is, is, is thankful. Praise the Lord, he begins. But it not only is something that reflects our inner lives, it also does something to us. Can you talk about that a little more? Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, my thoughts are, are not truly original. This is borrowing from uh, Dr. Tim Seleska's commentary uh, on uh, at least the first 50 psalms. He hasn't gotten as far as 135 yet. I can only <laughs> imagine how long it takes to write a book like that. I guess you can ask Dr. Gibbs next week. When That's you're true. talking to him about writing three of them. That's right. <laughs> um, I have no concept of how long that would take. But, I know. Oh. Uh, and he has, an, uh, Dr. Seleska has an, a little bit of an introduction to the psalms in his first commentary. And he talks about how the psalms not only reflect our inner lives, but they also shape our inner lives. So, Okay, well, what's that look like? Well, I, I was thinking about about his statement, and, and I was thinking, okay, well, how does it reflect our inner lives? Well, you hear that in psalms that are familiar to us, like Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And now the words are familiar because these are the words that Jesus prays, and so we have, there we also have the example of this being the prayer book of the Bible. It's the prayer book that Jesus uses. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he speaks back to God, the very words uh, that God has given to us, and that, in fact, Jesus, the Word of God, has given to us. Uh, anyway, uh, sidetracking myself. In terms of reflecting our inner lives, you can hear the agony, the pain, the struggle with the torment that David is going through as he's heading these words in Psalm 22. But at the same time, you can look to Psalm 103, and it's, has similar tones to the one we're going to look at today. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And you hear just the joy that overflows, because in that psalm, David goes on and on 
and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And he just keeps going and going and going as to all of these things that God gives to us. And so it is, it's this, yes, an opportunity to reflect uh, our inner lives and how God has been at work in us. But at the same time, those same words God uses as we continue to come back to them and pray them to shape our hearts and lives to conform to the image that he desires for us. Uh, And so uh, we'll definitely see that. We'll come back to that idea through the psalm, how while the psalm we're going to look at today is predominantly speaking words to God, they're words that are spoken to him in praise. As we speak them, they also shape, well, what are the things that we ought to give praise and thanks to God for? Now, in one sense, that could be everything that he's given to us. But but in particular, what does he desire for us to give him thanks and praise for? And in part, we see that by the words that he's given to us in the scriptures. And then that, that bleeds over into kind of the, the second thought, really, that that I really like from from Dr. Seleska's introduction to the Psalms, and that's that the Psalms are both God's word to us, and it's also our words to God. Yeah, yeah. And I think naturally we would think of, okay, this is part of the Scriptures. So we think about that being God's word to us. We recognize that this is God speaking to us continually in his word, and yet just as we read these words aloud from Psalm 135 or any of the Psalms, they are words of praise to him. And so as we receive the word from him and as we speak it back to him, it's not only reflecting who we are and the experiences that we can relate to in the Psalm or uh, who we are as his people. It's all of those things, but it also, the words shape us as we speak them back to him and they shape how we think and approach our life as God's people. Well, today, I love how you said that, because it shapes us, and that's what we'd have today. May the Word shape us as you prayed for this morning as well. So I'm ready to dig in. Are you ready to dig into Psalm 135? Absolutely. All right. So once again, we are reading reading and praying from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture, beginning with verses 1 through 4. We hear these words. Praise the Lord Yahweh. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord Yahweh, who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. Now, right there, I'm almost already more joyful in my day as I hear these words, because you can tell that there's some praising going on. So, so, Pastor, what is he praising about? And why is this, what is, what, sorry here, what is praise that he keeps saying? What is he talking about? Yeah, he keeps repeating that word all the time, right? And, and it's actually a word, I mean, the, the very first line, in, you know, in the ESV, it's praise the Lord. Or, but literally, it's hallelujah. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> it's the word that we use all the time. Every time that the word shows up here in that, in that phrasing, in, and it bookends the, the psalm, too. It begins, hallelujah, and it ends, hallelujah. 
Well, that word halal in, in Hebrew is, it's the word for praise. But when you peel it back a little bit, it, its root word is one that means to boast. Mm. And so I think that's helpful for us to think about what does it mean to praise? So when we, it, praise is one of those, it becomes kind of like a spiritual jargon that we know what it is, but we don't even know how to describe it. Um, but when you add that sense of, well, this is boasting. And so this is, I mean, Psalm 34 specifically talks about how my soul makes its boast in Yahweh. And that, you know, that same kind of idea Paul repeats in the New Testament multiple times, talking about how he doesn't boast in himself, but he boasts in the Lord, in Yahweh, in this one who has come and who has created and who gives us uh, redemption and life because he's made us his own. And so to understand that praise has this sense of boasting, of pointing to God and declaring, hey, look at what he has done. Look at what he's done. And not just look at what he's done, but look at what he has done for me. Mm-hmm. And so that, that personal aspect is kind of where all of these statements of praise kind of go to. Praise Yahweh. Praise the name of Yahweh. We can come back to that, too. And he actually does repeat it again. I mean, in English, we, we kind of change it because it's awkward. When it says, give praise, O servants of the Lord, it's actually the same command. Praise, O servants of the Lord. So inviting us into this joyous statement of praise to our God. And I, as, as a Minnesotan, you know, we get a little nervous here because you're saying boast. <laughs> we shouldn't boast. Never boast. But I love how you're saying that because the boasting, it's much like the rejoicing that Paul says in Philippians, praise the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. And you've also said Yahweh a few times, and I, I, do, I, do, I do mention that quite often. Is there a significance of them saying praise the Lord, which is actually the word Yahweh? Is there a significance to that? I, I think here it's even, I, I mean, it's a, it is significant anywhere. I don't mean to diminish that. But here it's more explicit because the second phrase is praise the name of Yahweh. It, that is his name. And, and so, you know, in talking about, well, why do we praise the name of Yahweh? You know, names to us uh, are just, uh, for the most part, they're just identifiers. They're helpful. I mean, you're Brady. I'm Jason. <laughs> my wife's Julie. Uh, we can identify people because we've given them names. And, and we know in one sense, you know, I know that our, our names each have meaning. So I had to look it up. I didn't know. Do you know what your name means, Brady? <laughs> uh, no, I uh, no, I don't. I just know that Tom Brady has a great last name. That's about as much as I know. <laughs> you know, I did actually think about that. But, yeah, it, it means that you have the potential to be a great quarterback. There you but, go. Uh, I'll take know. it. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't know if it exactly translates that way, but um, but uh, so the name Brady, it's it's Gaelic. I don't know. There's all kinds of things. Eventually it comes back to being spirited or being, I have a sense of being brave. Sure. Uh, all of that kind of goes along with, with the name. Uh, I do know this because I've looked it up in the past for confirmation class. My name, Jason, uh, means healer. Hmm. Well, but I, I don't think our parents were actually thinking necessarily about, I want my child to be a healer. I want my child to be brave. Maybe they were, or, or maybe a lot of times I think what we tend to do is, we're kind of curious, so maybe we look it up before we say, yeah, we're settling on this name uh, for our kids. But 
But when we talk about the name of the Lord, the name Yahweh, the one who is, which goes back to Exodus chapter 3 and the burning bush, and Moses says, you know, you're telling me to go, but I don't even know who's sending me. And he mm. says, I am who I am, right. which is a form of saying Yahweh. I am the God who is. And there's something about a name in that culture that is not just about identifying who he is, but it says something about his character, about who, what he's about, about what he does. And so that's why, like in the second commandment, we're told not to take the name of the Lord in vain, not just because we should be respectful of God's name, but because it says who he is. It's part of the essence of who he is. And so, yeah, we wouldn't use it in a frivolous way or just throw it around. We would instead call upon it in every trouble, is what Luther says. And I love that that's where he starts. Why would we call upon him in every trouble? Because that's the first thing that as sinful, broken people, but also just as creatures, we need the Lord. We need Yahweh. He's the one who gives life. He's the one who continues life. He's the one who gives life everlasting. The first and foremost thing to do with his name is to say, help me. Lord, forgive me, restore me, forgive, lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake, to borrow from another psalm. But then he goes on, and Luther says that we should also pray, praise, and give thanks. And so that's how we're to use God's name. He invites us to use it, and here in the psalm, it's put onto our lips. Alleluia. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And it continues, you know— where, um, first of all, who? So who who is supposed to do this? Who's supposed to praise the Lord according to these verses? Yeah, so we kind of have this progression through through the psalm. So first it's praise, O servants of the Lord, who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. So who are we talking about? We're talking about priests. We're talking about servants who serve in the temple. But even in saying that, the priests are or whom? They're those who stand in place of the rest of the people. So they're representatives of the whole congregation. So even as, as they are the first ones called to praise, by calling them into the praise of our God, all of the people of God are called into praise. So for us, and I, I think this is, I think this is really poignant. We'll come back to this later on. I think um, Luther has, when he read this psalm, he looked at this as being, yes, it's first in one sense. This is a statement that pastors and teachers should have in mind. Everything else that he's going to say here, leading us into the praise of Yahweh. But then that bubbles over into all of the people of God, that we all join in this song of praise and thanksgiving. And also a psalm, as we'll look at, especially later in the psalm, that has something very specific to teach us about why we should be praising Yahweh and not any other God. But to some degree, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, well, and, and what's very helpful, and I like how you're, you're breaking this down, because we can easily just read this and assume that we know it. And to be able to realize that when we go to church to praise, because we can even though we might not be like dancing around by any means as Lutherans typically, there is that reality especially. that, yeah, right. Especially me, like I've made known here in the program, I do not dance and thanks be to God that you don't have to see it. Um, it's one of those realities that to praise is to praise the Lord. Like that's why we are, 
you know, enter, entering his courts with thanksgiving is that we're praising the Lord is, is the focus. Why are we here? The Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession, meaning he has chosen you. So, Pastor, as we look at these first four verses, it's about the Lord. Seven times it says Lord in four verses. So clearly that's a main theme. Anything else you want to highlight before we move on? I, I mean, the only other thing I would say is that all of this builds up to praise, 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 praise. And then a big chunk of the rest of the psalm is going to be, well, why? Yeah, yeah. Why are we called to praise him? Why? On account of who he is. Because Yahweh is good. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name. Again, you hear the name again. For it is pleasant. And that, there's a footnote in anybody's Bible here. That it, well, it could be that he, it is pleasant, talking about his name. It's, it's just a good thing for God's people to hear the name of God. And again, when we think about the name Yahweh, we look forward to the name of Jesus. And in hearing the name Jesus, we hear he is the one who saves us. That's a good thing to hear the name of Jesus, to hear the name of the Lord. Yes. So we praise for all these reasons, but also there's another reason why we are called to praise him on account of what he's done and not just done in general, but what he's done for us. Yahweh for the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself. Israel for his own possession does this very Hebrew poetry thing where it just repeats the same idea to give different aspects to the same thought chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. You can hear echoes of that. Why, why these are God's people in Exodus 19. Uh, you know, you have Moses uh, is sharing with us the, the words uh, of the Lord. And uh, this is, this is what it says. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So the Lord gives these words to Moses. And what are the people to hear? They're supposed to hear that they have been chosen by God. And elsewhere we hear it's not because they were more numerous, not because they were more impressive, not because they were so fantastic, but simply because of the Lord's mercy and love, because he set his eyes on them and chose them. That's what makes them valuable. That's what makes us valuable as the chosen people of God, not because of everything that we've done, but because of what he has done for us. Peter picks up that same language in First Peter 2 and talks about how God's New Testament people, who are you? You are his own possession a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession, in order that you may declare his excellencies, the one who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. All I can say to that, Pastor Wagner, is amen. So right now we need to take our break. We are praying and studying Psalm 135 with Pastor Jason Wagner, and we will be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. 
See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying and praying Psalm 135 with Pastor Jason Wagner. And just a reminder, too, to you, our listeners, is that today is Friday, and Monday we begin the long and beautiful, rich journey of the Gospel of Matthew. And to kind of reveal it a little bit, we're going to start in December here, and we will continue until... uh, the resurrection and Easter. We're going to have a few times where we study the Psalms like we are now, but I'm so excited because we're going to start off with Dr. Jeffrey Gibbs, as we mentioned before, who's wrote the commentary on this. And throughout, we will be packed full of faithful Christian pastors who believe in the truth of the scriptures, and we will focus our eyes completely on Jesus until the resurrection of our Lord that we celebrate on Easter. So I'm excited for it, ready to dig in and to go slowly through it. That's part of the reason why we're praying today to make sure that we are keeping our eyes on him. So Pastor Wagner, we are we got through the first four verses and there's so much packed in there. I just want to make sure, ask one more time, is there anything else you want to highlight before we move on? I don't think so. I mean, I probably could spend about a month on the first four verses if you asked anybody in one of my Bible classes to ah. move it about that speed, but uh, I realize we don't have that much time today, so we should probably keep going. Gotcha. <laughs> well, th- some of the verses will be shorter for Matthew, so we'll have you back for Matthew, and then you can really dig deep for that time period. <laughs> Anyways, we'll move on as, as the psalmist writes. For I know that the Lord Yahweh is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth. In the seas and all deeps, it is he who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. So, like you mentioned before, this is the beginning of why. Why should we praise the Lord? And it gives us ideas. What what do you want to highlight? Yeah, this is really... He really, what is so beautiful about how the psalm is kind of structured is that you have these ideas in the very first section that just kind of get expanded out. And so here you have this longer meditation on the first reason for praise. And the first reason for praise is who he is. Yahweh is great. And, and that could mean a lot of things. It could mean that he's powerful. It could mean that he is uh, bigger than any other. It could mean that it is his size. I mean, the word great is used for all kinds of different descriptions. But here it is the essence of greatness. He is above all other gods. And yes, that is by way of comparison. And we're going to get that comparison in verses 15 to 18, a little bit later, as to why it's essential to boast, to praise Yahweh, and not in these other gods. But simply by making the statement, it's not, it's not actually assuming that there are these other gods, because we're going to, that's going to be made very clear that there are no other gods later on. Mm-hmm. But the statement here of saying that Yahweh is great and that he's above all other gods is that he's not just more impressive than you. He is greater than anyone or anything else that you can possibly conceive of. That's how great he is. And because of that, as an example, is kind of the way that he moves on to, because he could give a lot of examples. Well, for instance, why is the Lord worthy of praise? Because he is great. 
uh, what do I mean by he's great? He does whatever he pleases. Whatever he pleases, he does. And he accomplishes that in heaven and on earth and in the seas and in the very depths of the seas. There is no place in all of creation that you can possibly conceive of that he cannot do exactly what he desires. And let me give you an, a specific example. It's he who makes the clouds, and he makes them rise at the end of the earth. So way out beyond, at the very edge of the horizon, as far out as you can see, he brings up the clouds from there. It's this beautifully artistic. I mean, in our scientific view, we would say, well, the clouds are rotating around the earth. But it's this beautiful poetic way of describing that even these things in our scientific way of thinking that we can, I mean, how well do we, how well do we predict the weather that day? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. We certainly don't have any control over it. We don't even know really what's going to happen. And yet he pulls the clouds up from the edge of the horizon and he makes lightning for the rain and he brings wind out from his storehouse. He just has it all stocked up. I mean, you might have all kinds of things in your garage that you have. You might have things in your basement. Uh, You know, you have things that belong to you. Well, what belongs to him? The wind. He can just pull them out whenever he wants. Again, it's this sense of things that we can't possibly control or have any sense. This is how great our God is that he makes, creates, sustains, continues to have control over all of creation. Something I'm, I want, I'm thinking as you're saying this, and I love how you said that because um, you think about all that we have and we think we use kind of the common statement. Well, how much of that is, is the Lord's? And we say everything. And we forget about something like this. He controls the stuff that we could never control, the wind, all of this. And then we just got done studying Ecclesiastes where Solomon mm. continuously says, that's a striving after the wind, which even more so makes us realize how um, vanity everything is, is because when we strive after the wind, we can't control it, but guess who can? The Lord, because that's his, and he uses it for his purpose. So I just think about, you know, I, I, th- I think of myself even smaller now than I did before. So this is probably good um, for us to the realize. The Ecclesiastes will do that to you. It does. Uh, oh, it, my it goodness. It reminds yes. you about how everything <laughs> is vanity, meaningless. Or, or for best, it's, it's something we can't possibly get a grip on. That's what Ecclesiastes keeps coming back to. But you're right. I mean, in contrast, the things that we that slip through our fingers, you know, time, life, power, health, all these different things that we think are, you know, super important. They all slip through our fingers. Our God is so great that all of them are at his disposal and things far beyond. Well, let's continue on and why we should give thanks. And it points us to the past, verses 8 through 12. He it was who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and of beast, who in your midst, O Egypt, sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants, who struck down many nations and killed mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to his people Israel. So here he brings us back, and this is the beauty of the psalm too, he brings us back to say, okay, why should we give him praise? Let's, let's remember what he has done. And what has the Lord done in the past? Yeah, it's really beautiful. And this was the point at which when I was studying the psalm, I was thinking, no, I don't, I've read this before, but 
it, I didn't have that deep of a familiarity. And part of that is because Psalm 136, that comes immediately after this, obviously, um, that that's that seminary education, I can add one uh, to <laughs> Psalm 135, uh, is the longer version in some ways of a very similar hymn where you recount all these wonders of creation and all of these victories of the Lord that he's won on behalf of his people. I think what's really nice about Psalm 135 is how it is condensed. And we have, uh, in this section, you have this longer meditation on the second reason for praise, that God uses his greatness for his people against their enemies. And then we have these reasons. So for instance, why should you praise the Lord? Well, it was, he was the one who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and of beast, who in your midst, so Egypt, and you have the statements where he speaks to Egypt in the middle of that. I thought that was really interesting. It is. That, hey, all of creation needs to take note of what our God accomplishes for his people. He sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all of his servants. We start to get into this contrast between the servants of Yahweh and the servants of others, in particular, servants of other gods. Because Pharaoh was not only a king, but Pharaoh was also viewed by the Egyptians as God on the earth. Think about that in contrast. And you think about that in contrast, especially this time of year, of, as to the one who is God and king on the earth, who came not in might and power like Pharaoh tries to take uh, his place and show his glory and wonder and majesty. The glory of Christ is found in an infant who comes to be God in the midst of his people. His glory is on full display as he dies for the sake of all people, for his servants. Such a striking difference as to the greatness of our king, who has all things at his disposal, but he displays his greatness most clearly and how he defeats the greatest enemies that we have in sin and death and Satan by giving of himself. Uh, anyway, coming mm. back here into this particular section, says, so, you know, this is the part that we, we're familiar with. You know, we, we remember the plagues. You know, we've seen the movie The Ten Commandments, at least most of it. Um, <laughs> You know, we're, we're familiar with, with this story, but then we have the second set of stories that I think are really interesting. Who struck down many nations. Yes, the deliverance from Egypt, the exodus, is this great precursor to what God will accomplish in Christ and the redeeming of his people and bringing them out of the slavery of sin. But it's not the only time that God has fought against the enemies of his people and been victorious for them. And you have these two that are mentioned in particular, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan. Well, who in the world are Sihon and Og? <laughs> I mean, this, this, these aren't, I, I, don't, I don't think these are stories that we know quite as well. It comes out of Numbers 21, and this is the end of the time in the wilderness. So I think it's interesting that this is, this is really book-ending, entering into the land that God is promising to his people. And so he brings about every victory that needs to take place in order for his people to reach the land that he is preparing for them. Again, you can hear that when you roll that ahead as God's people in Christ, that every enemy 
of God's people is defeated in order that what he is preparing for us, the kingdom that he is preparing for us for all of eternity, is one that he will bring about because he is always the one in his greatness who redeems and gives life to his people. And so you have these bookend stories. This is the end of the wandering in the wilderness. Uh, Moses leads the people, and now they're, they come up through the land of Moab, and they go into the land of the Amorites. And first you come to Sihon. This is all in Numbers 21. You first come to Sihon, and and Moses comes to him, and he says, just let us pass through. That's true. And Sihon says, no way, gets everybody together and tries to go to battle against God's people. And it's made very clear that not because there's so many Israelites, not because they're fantastic warriors, but because God gives them the victory, they win over the Amorites, and they go further north yet. And so this is all before they cross over the Jordan River into the land of Canaan. They go further north, and they go into the land of Bashan, and we're told in short form, there Og is the king, and he does the same thing as Sihon, and the same thing as the result, because God has promised to bring his people safely into the land that he is promising to them. And as and he has done this in order to give this land as a heritage, heritage to his people, to his people, Israel. And this is I mean, this is something in like you said in Psalm one thirty six as well. I mean the same story, Sihon mm-hmm. and Og in verse uh, Psalm one thirty six verses nineteen to twenty. I was trying to, I was trying to remember exactly where this was, but it just and the continual uh, refrain in that psalm, as you mentioned before, is His steadfast love endures forever. And here we're reminded to praise the name of the Lord your God, um, because He's had this victory. You know, so it's really a wonderful fullness of understanding what that action is, because you could just see it as a political move, or you could see it as something that's just destruction or whatever it might be, but it was done out of love for the sake of him fulfilling his promises for his people. Now, I wanted to ask this, Pastor, because, like you said, who in your midst, O Egypt? So he's speaking to Egypt, and maybe I I didn't read this, and maybe we don't even know, but it it, it implies to me that there were believers in Egypt that he's writing this to. Is that kind of what you felt, or how would you describe that? when he speaks to Egypt? You know, I, I guess I hadn't thought about that. When I read O Egypt, I read, you know, I was looking at Egypt as shorthand for, or Pharaoh as shorthand for Egypt. Like oh, the two sure. things go hand in hand. Sure, yeah. The victory comes over Egypt. Um, but obviously, I mean, the people were there, the people of God were there for generations. So, it's entirely possible that this could be a, a message of proclamation to the world. Right, right, um, yeah. But I'll be fair, I didn't dig into that particular point all that much. So. I didn't either, I didn't either. And so uh, <laughs> I just thought it was interesting how he addresses them. But that's not the point. Um, but, you know, obviously we know that the Lord works in all generations and all nations. So who knows? We'll, we'll continue on. A big hearty we don't know. Let's move on here, Pastor, since we're, we're running up on some time here. We have about 15 minutes left, but we could go forever, so let's continue on. Verses 13 and 14. Your name, O Lord Yahweh, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, throughout all ages. For the Lord will vindicate his people and will have compassion on his servants. Now, I want to I start with this. 
because he says this prior to this as well, the compassion that he has upon his people. Um, that, that, that was, that's a major word for us to dig deep. So any thoughts on, on how the Lord has compassion on them and us? Yeah, especially when you have the echoes of the, the Exodus story. You think about, and I mentioned the story of Moses and the burning bush before, and the reason why Yahweh says that he is coming to do this, first of all, he has promised the land to his people. He has promised that he would, would bring them out of slavery. And he says there that he has heard the cries of his people, and he is coming down to deliver them. That's the essence of his compassion. But he, he sees the need of his people, a people who cannot rescue themselves, a people completely incapable of delivering themselves. He will come and do it for them. That's precisely what our Lord Jesus has done for us. That he has had compassion on us. And that, that word is all over the place in the New Testament. You know, Jesus sees the large crowd and he has compassion on those that are like sheep without a shepherd. Mm. And in that story, if I'm recalling this correctly, if I'm not, um, well, I, somebody I write to in. Say I'm recalling, it's close. Yeah, somebody will, somebody will send you an email. Um, but it, he is exhausted. He's absolutely spent. He has given everything, and yet he sees them as those who are sheep without a shepherd, and he's he has been hearing them. He's been healing people. He's been welcoming one after another. And he sees this large crowd arrive again. And I believe that this is the beginning of the story of the feeding of the 5,000, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. But he's gone across the lake because he wanted to, he needed a break. He needed a respite. But by the time he gets to the other side of the water and he sees this crowd, Rest for himself is not as, as important as rest for his people. And so that is the type of greatness that our God has. That what he is most concerned about is his people. What he is most concerned about is the redemption of his people. Here, the language that used is vindicating his people, bringing justice, bringing them uh, out from uh, out from the strong arm of Pharaoh and against kings and against all of these earthly rulers who would work against his people. Why? Because he has compassion on his servants and love and mercy. He gives of himself. And in Christ, we see that in its absolute fullness as he gives himself completely. And as we look at that, I mean, the language is so rich. First of all, his name endures forever which is a good reminder for us of how this is a long-term deal. I mean, this is not a short-term deal like we have in everything else. Even the greatest of warranties has an endpoint, you know, in our world today. So it endures forever. And what does that endurance mean? It means he has compassion. He has justice. He is great. He makes everything. Everything is in his hands. We'll say that kind of sometimes too simply, but it really is true that all this is a long-term guarantee in the name of the Lord. Pastor, anything else on those verses? Uh, the only other thing I would say is that these verses are kind of, it, Paul does this in, 
in some of his letters where he'll just be talking about what our God does, and he just erupts into praise in the middle of it. And that's really what these verses are, because he's been rehearsing uh, the greatness of our God in creation. He's been rehearsing our God's work in redemption. And then he comes back, he just it leads him right back to praise the Lord. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. You're renowned through all the ages because of what you do for your people and because of how you have compassion on your servants. So let's keep moving forward here, Pastor. Um, we'll do 15 through 18. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak. They have eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Pastor, right away, I feel like I'm in Ecclesiastes once again. Is It just <laughs> lays out the vanity of stuff and the idolatry that we all hold. So what is he, I mean, break this down. We have a few minutes. Can you break this down? Yeah, and so this was the comparison that I was talking about earlier. So verse 5, you have, why do we praise him? For I know that Yahweh is great and that our Lord is above all gods. You know why? Because now he's going to get into a comparison of all of these other gods. You know the idols of the nations? They're lifeless and they're worthless. They don't speak, they don't see, they don't hear, they don't breathe. They, they don't do anything. I mean, they don't do anything. Remember what our God does? He does whatever he pleases. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. And so those who make these worthless idols will become like them. Yikes. <laughs> That's terrifying. That but, but not just the ones who make these idols but all of those who trust in them. And so this is where, as I said at the very beginning, that the words of the psalm shape our hearts, even as we are, we're confessing something that is true, that is right, about who our God is and how these other so-called gods that we create, whether that be other belief systems or whether that be money or power or whatever it may be. I mean, we create all kinds of gods constantly. They're nothing. Our God is truly great. And yet in confessing that, in another sense, it's a call to repentance here. Because we have to recognize that at some point, we continually, against every desire of our redeemed selves, the sinful self that still clings to us, we trust in all kinds of other things all the time. And yet the end result of that is to be lumped in with Pharaoh and Sihon and Og and all the rest who make and trust in other gods. <laughs> that, like you said, this is very humbling. Um, how much, as we look at the first commandment, you fear, love, and trust in God above all things. How often do we trust in the silver and gold? How often do we trust our mouths? Um, not our mouths, but, the, but these things, almost as if they're speaking or that they can see or have ears, but they have nothing. They have nothing to bring. And here's the Lord who can even control the wind. And sometimes we wonder if he's got this in, under control, especially when we see the cross. How could we not believe it? But yet, oh, Lord, um, I believe, help my unbelief, I think is kind of how we live our lives. Last thoughts on those verses? 
Yeah, I mean, the only other thought that I had, and this is why I, I figure I'm on KFUO so I can I can plug CPH has this nice uh, book that they came out recently called Engaging the Psalms, and it oh, just yeah. has some short meditations on the Psalms. And the one thing that I, I really took from this is, is there's this quote from Luther here that, that talks about how the 135th Psalm is a Psalm of Thanks calls the priests to give thanks, preach, and praise God for the wonders that he showed to the people in Egypt and Canaan so that they never forget God and seek idols or other gods. This happens when one does not occupy oneself with and diligently hold to preaching and the praise of God, as it says in the next psalm. Luther was looking ahead, too, to 136. (laughs) But where his word is silent, and he does not judge or teach, there truly shall be great anger and no grace. Therefore, think you servants in the house of the Lord and preach diligently of God and his works. Uh, Luther certainly is looking at these words, first for people like you and I, Brady, that what we should expect of our pastors is to preach the truth of God's word, to preach the truth of who he is, to preach what Christ has come and accomplished for us. That's what our pastors should continually dedicate themselves to. It's what God's people then also should desire to hear and expect every time that we gather to hear and rejoice in what God has done. We want to hear about Christ. We want to hear what Christ has accomplished for us. We want to hear of Yahweh, who has all power and majesty and greatness in his hands, and yet he has used it in compassion for the forgiveness of all who would trust and believe in him. So, Pastor, let's end our time in these last few verses because exactly what you said, and all of what you're saying is basically I'm like, okay, amen, let's move on because I don't really know how to add to that. So let's end our time, and we have about three minutes left as we hear how we bless the Lord. O house of Israel, bless the Lord. O house of Aaron, bless the Lord. O house of Levi, bless the Lord. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord from Zion who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Now, Pastor, a lot of times we end our worship service. We Before we get to the benediction, we have the benedicamus, which says, let us bless the Lord. And we'll say, thanks be to God. What does it mean to bless the Lord, as it says here? It means to say thanks be to God. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. I, mean, <laughs> I love yeah, it. Yeah, it really does. I mean, bless here. So, The word bless literally means to kneel. And so when we talk about blessing the Lord, it is to kneel before him in praise and thanks. It's all those things that we talked about earlier, to pray, praise, and give thanks. It's all of that because we're coming before the Lord humbly looking to him alone as the one who provides and gives all good things. And so that's why at the same time we can use the word about talking about being blessed from the Lord is to kneel before him, knowing that we don't deserve anything, but in his mercy he gives to us. And so either way, if we're talking about blessing the Lord, it's coming before him in humility, and yet at the same time in joy, because we give him thanks because we know what who Yahweh is and what he has done for us. Pastor, as you look at this whole psalm, there's obviously a, a lot of different themes if someone were to ask you, what's Psalm 135 about, what would you tell them? I would say it's, it's a statement of praise that 
leads us into the proper reasons for praise, recognizing the greatness of our God, a greatness that he uses in compassion and mercy to help his people. And as, as we hear those words, then we respond back to him in praise and adoration and glory and thanks and blessing to the Lord because he has given us all things. Most of all, he's given us redemption that we know most fully in Christ. Pastor Jason Wagner of Hope Lutheran Church in High Ridge, Missouri, bringing us God's strong word of prayer from Psalm 135. Pastor Wagner, thank you for the gifts. Thank you for the opportunity. Saints of our Lord, keep praying. And Psalm 135 is a perfect one to pray. Praise the Lord, it says. This is not trying to get your emotions going. This is not trying to get your energy going. Not trying to get your adrenaline going. It is us boasting in the name of the Lord. Why? Because he's defeated Israel, the, uh, the Egyptians. He's been there with his people. He's beaten Bashan and Og and, and Sihon and everybody else. And he has even the wind at his disposal. And how has he chosen to use all this? to save you, to be a blessing to you, to help you in Christ. That is what we celebrate, especially this Advent. I'm your host, Brady Fenner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.